Hello and welcome to the European Hoops podcast. We are a Sportsitas presentation. We bring you all the coverage you need of the EuroLeague. Three times a week, every Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday, we recap and preview all the action and cover all the news surrounding the competition. Join us on this ride and learn more about some of the best basketball played in the world. Make sure you don't miss any episodes by subscribing to the podcast and follow us on Twitter at Itus EuroLeague. My name is André and this is my co-host Diogo Valente. How are you doing today? Ready for the EuroLeague last doubleheader week of the season? Hey André, I'm good and I'm totally ready for this. Let's talk about it. Let's go. Let's start by reminding our listeners that uh, we will be posting the recap of round 31 Thursday and the recap of round 32 comes out on Monday when we will get back to our normal schedule with episodes coming out on Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday. We are recording this episode Tuesday ahead of the start of round 31st games in order to be able to publish this episode on time for you guys to know what to expect from all these matchups starting on Thursday. We will break down the impact on the standard once uh, we release the recap of round 31st that uh, will come out on Thursday again already taking into account the results of the, the first hand of this uh, doubleheader. In the end of this episode we will be debating who are the best power forwards of this edition of the EuroLeague. The action of round 32 starts in Turkey where FS will be welcoming Virtus. We already know that FS games are all must-wins games moving forward and this one is uh, one that they should be seen as favorites as Virtus uh, has lost four out of their last five games and comes into this game with a five win and nine losses record on the road. Do you agree that TFS are favorites for this game and uh, what are the strengths of each team that can cause issues for one another? Yeah, uh, I absolutely agree. Uh, I think FS should be the favorite. I think they will, they will win this game. Um, just because for Virtus, uh, I don't really see them having a chance anymore, um, especially with Teodosic being out. Uh, I just don't see them being able to, to compete at that level. And, uh, and, and I don't think they have an answer for Will Clyburn. Um, maybe we see him matched up with Shangelia a little bit because in terms of size, they are kind of similar. But I think Clyburn is the, the X factor here. Uh, I just don't see Virdus having an answer for him. Will Clyburn clearly has the, the strength to dominate this matchup. And um, if the team looks for him and they are able to, to find him in good spots, he for sure can have a, a big game. And I will have him as well as favorite to be MVP of this game. Let's continue. And the, the second game of round 32 happens in Israel, where two of the hottest teams in the competition will be facing each other. Maccabi won their last four games heading into this doubleheader, while Milano won eight out of their last nine games at home. With uh, 12 wins and only two losses, Maccabi has the best home court of the competition. I will say that they are favorites against almost anyone. But Milano comes into this uh, doubleheader only one win below eighth place and playing some of the best basketball in the competition. This profiles as a high-level matchup. I lean to the home court, but Milano has shown that uh, they need to be taken very seriously and they might manage to be physical enough and give uh, some issues to Maccabi. I personally think that the keys for Milano to compete on this game is to dominate the rebound battle and especially to be aggressive on the offensive glass since I think that on 5-on-5 five five situations they might have an advantage here. What do you think and what do you expect to see on this game? Yeah, I agree that uh, Milano can have a chance if they do that in terms of the rebounding battle but uh, I just don't think it's very likely because uh, I usually say Maccabi is a very athletic team and they have strong 
bigs, uh, physically, I mean. So I think that's going to be pretty close, just like the game itself. Uh, I think these are two very good teams. Um, like you said, Milan has been playing at an insane level, and it, it's kind of crazy to think that they really have a chance at making the playoffs because with the way they started, it, it's pretty impressive. Uh, I'm going to go with Maccabi uh, just because of the home court, and I think they are really in, a, in, a, in an amazing moment in their season, and I think they're going to keep doing that. And Wade Baldwin, Baldwin didn't play uh, the first game against Milano, and they still won. So I think he's going to continue his level of play that has been really incredible. So I think Wakabi is going to win this game. But it's going to be a very close one, though. I will joke with you now. You know who else didn't play? Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Napier was a I know was a Napier big was not there. But... but Hey, uh, matchup of the week, those two, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. I, I really think that on this game, Brandon Davis is a player to, to be tracking. I think he, he can have a, a big impact. And as you said, Maccabi has bigs that are uh, strong and very athletic, but um, he might have some advantages in terms of uh, skill. Uh, against their bigs on this game. Yeah, 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 and, for sure. And for I, sure. I think that he can be a key piece if Milano can go in surprise, but we are in agreement and we started 2 for 2, agreeing on the first two matchups on Efes <laughs> and Maccabi as favorites. But uh, for sure, a very high level game and a game that people should tune in for. We certainly will. Let's see if this is the one that we disagree, but I seriously doubt that. Uh, in Barcelona, <laughs> the home team will be receiving Alba. Alba has been playing good basketball lately, but Barcelona has been showing that they should be seen as potential favorites to win this edition of the EuroLeague and they are stepping up on their game and they mostly on their ab ability to answer when the, the other teams give them a harder time and uh, with home court in play and they are still fighting for guaranteeing it and I think mostly for, for the seeding they, they will want to avoid to end the season in the, the fourth place maybe if they could end on top two would be ideal for their ambitions so they for sure will want to win this one and I, I would say that they need to be considered favorites here this is a, a matchup that uh, our co-host uh, Tiago Cordaire would love because we'll have Miratic mm. against Sigma and I think that might be one of the key matchups to watch although I think that uh, Barcelona team play ball sharing will be able to give them um, them always open shots against the Salba team. I think mostly Barcelona ability to play good defense will be what will cause biggest trouble to Alba on this game and and take the game over and dominate this matchup. Do you agree with me? And what do you think that uh, are the things that we should be tracking and will be the keys for this game? Do you? Yeah, I agree. Um, if if you notice this year, uh, Barcelona has kind of dominated these uh, supposed to win games. Uh, like Zalgiris and those teams from that level, uh, so I expect them to do the same. Their losses have come on the on the big games where they should be able to to compete and win, and they just fall apart. But against teams that they are favorites, they usually win comfortably. So I expect that to happen again. Uh, they are clearly the better team. They they just need to to keep playing good basketball like they do. Like they just stop doing that in key moments of key games, and that's their biggest problem. But I don't think they're gonna have uh, an issue to beat Alba. Uh, Miritich and Sigma is a, a pretty good matchup, but uh, I expect Miritich to to get the best of it, especially because of the scoring ability. But uh, I think Barcelona is gonna win this 
comfortably. These games are usually an opportunity also for for teams to, to gain some momentum and to build up uh, like a good atmosphere in the inside of the team. And what are the things that you would like to see Barcelona doing? For me, it's mostly being consistent across the 40 minutes and see if they are able to keep the mental focus in a game that uh, eventually might turn into a blowout. Like having that consistency and intensity across the 40 minutes, I think it will be key for them in the postseason. And that will be the thing that I will want to see them doing on this matchup. What about you? Yeah, uh, I think consistency has definitely been their biggest issue this year, or, or lack thereof. I mean, uh, they usually start the games pretty strong in the first quarter, and then those rotations, they just start falling apart. Like I said before, especially on the big games. So I think this is a good game for them to to work on it and to try to be consistent for the 40 minutes and try to blow out Alba. I think that would give them some momentum, even though it is a game where they are supposed to do that. Because we are this close to the playoffs, any good win can give you a great momentum for the playoffs, especially when you're fighting for home court advantage. So I think Barcelona is going to have a good game here and they're going to dominate. Yeah, absolutely agree with you. So let's move on to Munich where Bayern will be welcoming Monaco. This is a must-win matchup for Monaco. They are having a great momentum and uh, they for sure will want to build on that and lock a home court advantage. While the team road record is 7 wins and 7 losses, making them a much better home team than a road team. Playing against Bayern without much to, to play for this season, they need to say stay consistent across the, the 40 minutes and uh, I think that Monaco will be able to, to lock this win having the best players and the, the best team. Will they do it in your opinion? What will be the keys for them to achieve that? I think it's, it's, a, it's a hard one because uh, I think Mike James sh should be back uh, playing this time. Um, but it, I think it's a tough game because Barcelona being a physical team, uh, Monaco doesn't really enjoy contact that much at least from what I see from their games. And if John Brown is not able to play, uh, I think that's going to be a, a very tough game for them. Uh, and I don't see um, a small forward that can ans that can match uh, Lusic if he plays because he has been in and out. So I don't know about that. But if he plays, I think Bayern has a, a very good chance of, of getting this game. Obviously, they're not the favorites because Monaco is fighting for a top three seed, which is incredible for them. And Monaco should win the game, but I just think it's going to be very hard. But but I would lean Monaco, yeah. Yeah, we are four on four on our picks for, for this uh, this round. <laughs> but uh, I think I disagree with you on, on how hard this game will be for Monaco. What we I have seen from Bayern is them being sloppy sometimes in offense. And uh, what I have seen from Monaco on the last matchup, and let's see how that dynamic changes with uh, Mike James potentially returning, as, as you just pointed out, is uh, they being intense and physical and uh, mostly having a high level of energy into the games. And I think that energy might uh, cause... Bayern having a, a high number of turnovers and with that uh, Monaco being able to play in transition where they will thrive and not have to deal as much with uh, with Bayern physicality. About the small forward matchup, yes, I, I agree that Lutzic will clearly dominate it, but I think that they have some bodies in Diallo, even Moneca, that they can 
they have some bodies to to have in front of him. He will dominate those matchups, no doubt about that. But it's not like that they don't have any bodies to to put uh, to put there. So I think Monaco do, will do well. And if they are able to build up on what they have been doing on their last matchups, I think they can make this an easy game. But of course, we know that Bayern at moments are able to to step up, make the game slow and ugly, and uh, that's not Monaco game. And uh, if they manage to do that, I can see your point on this being a hard matchup but um, I just think that uh, Monaco is in a much better momentum and they will just uh, be able to dominate and set the pace of this matchup yeah th- they are but my point is um, with I'm saying with Mike James uh, Monaco's team um, the the matchup here is not the best for them because of the physicality that Bayern puts because Mike um, holds the ball for uh, much more time than Jordan Lloyd or Elio Kobo, I think that benefits Bayern's defense. And that's why I'm saying with Mike, I think this could be a very tough game for them in a physicality uh, standpoint. That's one of the, the things that I'm most intrigued about Monaco for the postseason. We have seen a lot of indications of um, even Monaco coach pointing out that uh, he really likes this group and those declarations come on these games when Mike James was suspended. I'm pretty sure that they are aware that Mike James it will be key for them to have a chance to, to win or to compete to win or to compete to go to a Final Four because... He's their star, their star player, and a star player elevates the ceiling of a team. But on another hand, like you just pointed out very accurately right now, uh, Mike James does the ball does stick into his hands, and uh, what we saw Monaco doing so well in the last games was moving, running, uh, passing, sharing. I wonder to what point there isn't some pressure for him to buy into that, and uh, that they don't see that as being their path to succeed in the postseason. So. I guess this doubleheader will have a, another level of interest in uh, checking how they integrate Mike James, if eventually he will come out of the bench, for example, and what will that mean for uh, Monaco's style of play moving forward? Yeah, I, I think it's a it's something that we we have to look at to look into going forward because they performed very well without him, and it's that's just the it's the only thing. It's because the ball sticks with him a lot. And they lose the that energy because it's more the offense is longer. They they use most of the twenty four seconds in the shot clock with him, at least on the half court offense. So it's gonna be something to see for sure. Let's continue and let's move on to Kaunas, where the Zalgiris will be receiving Valencia. This is again another must-watch game. Uh, High-level wings against uh, really good guards. I think Dublovic can play a very important role on Valencia's chances to to win this match. And uh, if Valencia wants to keep dreaming with the the playoffs, this is a must-win for them. But we know that uh, Kaunas is one of the best uh, crowds of Europe and uh, that Zalgiris is able to feed off them. I have them as favorites in the matchup that uh, should kill the playoff uh, hopes and aspirations to one of these teams. Do you agree with me? And uh, who you will be tracking on this game? Who do you think are the key matchups of this game? Uh, I think Zalgiris is, will win. Uh, and I think the key for that is to, to guard the three-point line. Valencia is a team that, that shoots a lot. So I think that's, that's the biggest key for Zalgiris to do at home. But like you said, Dublevich has a chance to, to dominate this matchup. So they also have to, to protect the paint because Dublevich can can post anybody on Zagiris up 
and he's a, a good passer and he he reads the game so he's going to make good decisions on that but i think zalgiri uh playing at home they should be the favorites for this game uh the energy should be high in that in that arena for this game because it is an important one in terms of the playoff race and i think zalgiri could have a legit chance at making it because we are seeing Efesh still losing games and they are behind Zalgiri right now. So maybe they can steal that eighth place. So this is a very important game for them to do that. But uh, but I think, yeah, Dublevich on Valencia's side and the, the defense for Zalgiri. I think those are the key factors for, e for each team. But uh, I expect Zalgiri to win. Yeah, we saw Zalgiris against Basconia uh, switching a lot and being able to bo to be very aggressive. They they were able to slow down the transition game of Basconia and also to to limit their three points on uh, on that game. If they can replicate some of that, that will certainly be key against Valencia. But I think Dublovic is a superior player to any of the inside players from uh, from Basconia, and I think that uh, he can unlock some things for them that can make them more competitive on this game. But uh, for sure, a game to tune in for and a game with uh, playoff implications. Let's continue and move on to Serbia, where Partizan will be receiving Real Madrid. This is another high-level game. EuroLeague is full of those. Between a team that uh, is looking to win the regular season and another to, that is fighting to get the fifth place and mostly to lock their playoff spots as soon as possible. If Partizan can continue to perform at the level that uh, we saw them doing against Olympiacos, they will be a scary team to, to face coming play of time in my opinion i am picking the home team on this one but uh, this is a perfect spot for real to start building momentum for for the postseason i think that uh, real is not uh, not yet there I, i i don't trust their perform level to be consistent we saw them doing some things on the most recent games that uh, are the things that they need to do Let's see to what point they, they will continue to do them and um, if they will be able to match Partizan intensity and energy on this game, especially playing at home. How do you see this game unrolling, Diogo? This is it's going to be a good one, for sure. Um, I think I'm leaning Real Madrid just because Partizan has beaten FS Olympiacos and I picked, uh, I picked them to beat Barcelona in the first game <laughs> of the doubleheader. So... At some point, they're going to lose a game. So I'm going to pick Real Madrid here. Uh, I think Partizan uh, usually does a great job scoring in the paint. Even the guards, uh, they drive more than they shoot. Um, like uh, Kevin Pointer, he likes to drive to shoot from mid-range. Dante Exxon is more of a driving guard. And I think Walter Tavares being in there, uh, it's going to make a, a big difference. And, and I just think Real Madrid has much more options. And they are experienced enough to, to deal with that crowd uh, in Belgrade. So I think Real Madrid is going to be able to, to get this win. Yeah, for me, one of the keys of this game will be Exum and how he will be able to attack the, the baskets. If he can get uh, Walter Tarvares in trouble, in foul trouble, will be very, very important for Partizan aspirations to win it. And of course, the three-point shooting. They will need to be hot from three. I want to see which type of pressure they can they can apply on Real Madrid's baskets. Those, for me, will be the, the main keys to the, to decide the, the winner of this uh, this high-level game. I, I have it. I went the 
other way, I have Barcelona winning and uh, Real Madrid and Partizan getting the win against Real Madrid. But for sure, both games of both hands of this doubleheader with Partizan will be must-watch ones and very interesting games to watch. In Spain, Basconia will be receiving Fenerbahce. Basconia is still in the fight for the playoffs. They currently stand in eighth place, heading into the, the, the start of the doubleheader, reminding that we are recording this before the start of the games on Tuesday. Fenerbahce has been trying to find themselves after adding some new pieces, but we have seen uh, some flashes of the high-level basketball level that uh, they can play at. Personally, I think that Fenerbahce will be too much for Basconia to handle on this game. What do you think that will be the, the factors that will be deciding this uh, this game? I agree that Fenerbahce should be too much for Basconia. I don't know if they will be, <laughs> because in Turkey, uh, Basconia went in there and, and won the game. And Fenerbahce has been struggling a, bit, a little bit lately. They they lost to Valencia. They lost to Milano at home. And then they beat Zagiris at home, but they kind of struggled to do that. So I, even though they, they should be the favorites, I think this could be a, a tough game for them because of Basconi's ability to shoot the ball. And Fenerbahce has been struggling on that end recently. So... We'll see if they can match that, but absolutely Fenerbahce should be the favorite. It's just this game could mean a lot for Basconia. If they could win this game, this would practically put them in the playoffs because nobody's expecting Basconia to beat Fenerbahce. So I think this could be a very good game. And I think the, the shooting is the is the biggest key here, the three-point shooting. If Fenerbahce can match or be better than Basconia, I think they will win the game. But if not, uh, it's going to be a long night for them. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with you. I think Dorsey and uh, Marcus Howard are uh, an interesting matchup. Let's see for how long they will actually be matching against each other. But uh, those are two interesting players to, to look at. But um, I, I just think that uh, Fenerbahce also has a motivational angle here because they want to, want to risk to trail to, to seventh place and uh, if they still want to keep their home court advantages advantage hopes alive they probably will uh, want to, to lock this win where they are favorite and uh, they need to start building some momentum and showing some good things and I think that this doubleheader is the moment moment for them to do it but we will see, and for sure, another very good game. And these last rounds of the EuroLeague are filled with them. And uh, let's move on to Greece, where Olympiakos will be facing Paratinaikos. I think that on this game, we can forget about standings. We can uh, forget about Olympiakos being one of the best teams in Europe and Paratinaikos being struggling on this edition of the EuroLeague. Olympiakos playing at, ho playing at home, uh, I think that... Uh, and being the, the best team, they are massive favorites. But this is the Greek derby and uh, it is always worth to tune in for it. Can Paratinaikos surprise everyone and in a way come out of this season with a good taste on their on their mouths, Diogo? No. <laughs> <laughs> it's unlikely. Uh, I, <laughs> I think currently Olympiakos has beaten Paratinaikos like 12 straight times. Yeah. So it's just a, a bad matchup for them. Uh, I think Olympiakos want to dominate this game. Obviously, they are the better team. And playing at home, uh, I think that crowd is going to be into it. But, uh, yeah, I just don't see Panathinaikos having enough to to even compete. With, I mean, not that they don't have enough because they have talent, but they, they just haven't shown their ability as a team to, to compete with these higher-level teams. And I think Olympiakos, because of the way they move the ball and the way they defend, uh, I think... 
they are just too much for Panathinaikos to handle. Yeah, unfortunately, I think it will be more more of that. I think the derby will play a role, but will just motivate Olympiacos even more, and they want to stay on the fight for the the first place. So it will be it will be a tricky one for Panathinaikos to, to stay on the game. But uh, let's see how it unrolls, and maybe we can at least have a competitive one. For sure, the the fans will be into it, as you said, and for sure this will be uh, the Greek derbies are always um, interesting environment to to watch basketball games so we we still have that the last game of this double header happens in france where asvel will receive red star this game has potential to be feisty and hard fought but uh, red star has shown signs of being able to perform at a higher level than asvel even on the roads i would see them as favorites do do you agree with me yeah i agree that they should be the favorites uh, i think this game has the potential to end up like 58 to 53 something like that <laughs> uh, i think it's gonna be um a, a bad offensive game uh, both teams are good enough defensively so i think it's gonna be a, a hard-fought game and i just don't see i don't see it being a, a high scoring game at all so i but yeah i think it's gonna be very competitive um very grind and the defense i think it could be fun to watch uh for anybody who likes a good defensive game Uh, because th these two teams, uh, Red Star, not as much, but Asvel especially uh, lacks a lot of offensive talent outside of Nando de Colo. So we'll see how that goes, but but I, I'll go Red Star. What Red Star has been thriving, doing on defense is to, to play with a very high intensity and causing a lot of um, turnovers and mistakes by the other team. I just have seen Asvel being, having a hard time to take care of the ball And uh, I think that uh, playing against that style of defense will be very tricky for them. Behind Campazzo, Red Star has been able to be consistent offensively and having good scoring games. So I think that they will be able to score enough against Asphalt defense uh, while giving them, them some trouble on the other end as well. For sure it won't be. Like the, the hander is a good bet for this game. Well, I don't know the line, so don't don't uh, go and and bet the hander because I, we just said it. But uh, it for sure will be a, a low-scoring game. But uh, I think Red Star has enough to score enough uh, against uh, Asphalt on this one. And that's why I have them as, as favorites here. Let's uh, end this episode by... Breaking down who the best poor forward of Euroleague is. Diogo prepared uh, his top five and we will be discussing them. Let's start with the, the players that uh, you excluded from uh, from your top five, who are your honorable mentions for uh, the best poor forward of this edition of the Euroleague. Okay, so not making my list, I have Gabriel Deck from Real Madrid. And I know uh, sometimes he plays the three, but... To me, he's more of a four. Uh, I like him as a a four guy that that reads the game and sees them backdoor cuts and everything like that. I don't like him being a, an offensive player like at the three with the ball in his hand uh, as much. Um, but just because I'm going to have another player from Real Madrid, uh, I didn't put Gabriel Deck in the top five as well. Um, I have John Brown from Monaco because of his ability to defend. I think he's probably the best defender in Euroleague in terms of front court. So I had to mention him. It's just he doesn't have enough offensive skills for me to to put him in the top five. And uh, I'm sorry, Thiago. I have <laughs> Sigma. Uh, 
Sigma could definitely be in my top five. Uh, I'm not hating on him or nothing like that. Yeah, I just don't. I think his his lack of ability to score. Not that he can't do it, but I just like these other guys better. And it's it's just a matter of preference for me on, on this case. Nothing against Sigma. I think he's an amazing player. Uh, but I just like the, these other five guys. But the the other Real Madrid player that you will have in your top five speaks French eventually. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I will <laughs> want when we get to, to to that. I will want to to see the arguments pro and against Deck versus Yavoselis. That. Uh, but I I can see it. I understand why. But in terms of numbers this year, uh, Deck has been having a very good season, and he's uh, like one of the most stable pieces for for Real. But I do think that Yavoselis is a superior player. So we will get to it. Let's start from five to first, and in fifth place, who do you have? In fifth place. I have the the Georgian player from Virtus, uh, Schengele. I think uh, similarly with Sigma, I think he's a very high IQ player, a uh, very good passer for the power forward position. But I just think he can score a little better than Sigma. And we, we saw that uh, when he was playing with the Georgian national team, he was like the number one option. So I think he has more arguments offensively, and that's why I'm going with him over Sigma. Th those were my two guys uh, fighting for that fifth spot. Yeah, Shengali is averaging 9.9 points, 3.3 rebounds, 2.9 assists, 0.8 steals, and 0.4 blocks on this uh, edition of the EuroLeague, and he ranks in 45th in PER for the season. He is for sure a proven asset and a, a very good power forward, so he's a deserved fifth place on our top five. So let's continue. There, I don't think there is much to debate about the quality of Shingelia. He is a high-level player, and he has shown when he needs to be the first option, he can perform at an extremely high level, and he's having a, a solid season for, for Virtus this year. Who do you have in fourth place? Okay, in fourth place, um, this guy plays the five sometimes, but uh, I clearly see him as a four. Um, and again, similar to Sigma and Shangela, he's a, a very good passer, can make very good reads, and it's Nico Melli from Milan. Uh, I think he's a much better shooter than the other two, and that was kind of the, the difference maker here. But I just like his ability to, to pick and pop, to shoot the ball, uh, to cut, to to pass it to cutters, like everything he does offensively, uh, I think is very good. And his experience as well at this level, uh, I think he's a very good player and he's contributing a lot for Milano's success lately. And uh, I have him at number four. because yeah. Just because I see Brendan Davis as the center for that team, uh, so I have him as a power forward. Yeah, clearly you can have Mali in either of the two positions. I would even say that he's more of a power forward than yeah. the center. For me, the, the experience that you just mentioned, the, he's a, such a good high-level and clever team defender. He's able to, to get hard defensive assi assignments for them and really thrive as a team defender. He's just an, a very high IQ player and uh, he's a key piece for, for Milano. He's averaging 8 points, 5.6 rebounds, 1.3 assists and 1 steal in this edition of the EuroLeague and he ranks in 48 in PER. Clearly another high-level player of uh, EuroLeague and one of the best power forwards of the competition. Let's continue and who do you have in third place? Okay, so now I have the French player from Real Madrid. <laughs> uh, I have Yabuzela here. Um, I don't know if... Do you not agree with me? Uh, having him over, over deck? 
Oh, no, I do, I do. I agree with you. I oh, think Yabosala okay. is one of the best players. It's just in terms of numbers this season, Dyke is yeah. having a, a superior team, a superior season to, to Yabosala. But uh, I do agree. I think Yabosala is one of yeah. the players that uh, can elevate the ceiling of a team in the EuroLeague and he can perform at a very high level. And I think he will be one of the keys for Real Madrid succeeding the, the postseason. Dyke, yeah, yeah. for me, is mostly very consistent and uh, a stable player. And uh, that's why his numbers end up ranking higher. Ayabusel is 54 in the PER this season, while Deck, I think, is 16. Yes, he's 16. That's why I was curious to, to know, and you will get your chance to explain. The, let me just go over Yabusel's numbers this season. He's averaging 9.2 points, 3.8 rebounds, 1.2 assists, 0.8 steals on this edition of the, the EuroLeague. But I absolutely agree with you that he belongs at the top three of the four forwards. Just uh, give me your reasons. Yeah, so like you know, I am an eye test guy over the numbers. <laughs> so I think Yabuzel is obviously a better shooter than Gabriel Deck. I think his ability... I, I wouldn't say ability to defend because Deck is a pretty good defender. But his size, especially at the four position and his weight, I think matters a lot. And you you see them playing together a lot of times with Deck at the three. So I had Yabuzeli as the main power forward for Real Madrid and uh, I just didn't think I didn't think that it was fair to, to have two guys from the same team on the on the top five because it would just be unfair for these other guys. Uh, but I think Yabuzeli overall is a better player and the shooting aspect is very important for me. I think uh, in today's game the power forward position is is the second most important position after the the point guard, and I value uh, the shooting part a lot on the on the power forwards. And I think the fours that have the ability to shoot have clearly a much bigger advantage, especially off of screens because they can pop. So I give the advantage to Abuzeli. Let's get a bit out of tracks and keep the suspense in the air for the, the top two. I don't think that anybody that follows the EuroLeague has doubts about the top two. I uh, am looking forward to know who ranks in first and who ranks in second because I I wonder if we will disagree on that. But who are the top two? It's it's pretty obvious, I think. <laughs> but uh, let's let's quickly just uh, take a detour and speak about uh, Real Madrid here. Who is for you their best closing five? So their best five because for me it's uh, Yabusela, Tavares, then uh, Mario and uh, Musa. The, those four players would be there. Who would you have with them? Would you have them like a three and play with Musa and Mario at one and two? Uh, I would for sure have Musa at the one. Yeah. Uh, I agree with Mario. Uh, Mario at the two have... or the three? Yeah, yeah I, think, I think Mario would be at the three. And for me personally, I would put Abalde at the two. Okay. Just because of his size for the position, he can shoot. He's a, a very good defender. And I think he would fit perfectly into that closing lineup. But yeah, I agree with the, the those four you mentioned, and I would put Abalde in there. Yeah, for me it will be between Abalde and Deck. But I think the as you mentioned, that his defense and um, shooting would probably give him make him a better fit for for what the team would need. Yeah, like I said, I don't really like player. like I said before. I don't really. I'm not really a fan of Deck playing the three. So that's why I have yeah, Abalde yeah. in there. And yeah, that's the only reason. It's not even about the, the, the best player between the two. In my opinion, it's the, about the best fit and what will yeah. unlock that team. So I, I just thought that was a, an interesting discussion about uh, 
what Real Madrid should be closing with the games. And I think that's a, that will be the, their best five. We are in agreement there. Let's see if we are also in agreement about who the best power forward of the EuroLeague is. So let, uh, start by disclosing your top two players. Uh, doesn't matter the order, order. I'm pretty sure I know them. <laughs> yeah, I think everybody should know them. It's uh, Bezenkov and Mirotic for sure. We already know that those are two of the, the best players in the EuroLeague and that those are two of the players having the best seasons in the EuroLeague. The case for Mirotic being out of the MVP race, it's because he played less games. Although, as we debated at the time when we spoke about the MVP, maybe there was a case to, to have him uh, above Slokas at the time, even with the last game's play, because he has a better case to be MVP. Sash is averaging 17.8 points, 7.2 rebounds, 1.8 assists, 1 steal and 0.3 blocks, while uh, and ranks in first in PER for the season, while uh, Mirotic ranks in seven for PER, and he's averaging 16.2 points, 4.4 rebounds, 1.3 assists, 0.9 steals, and 0.4 blocks. Vzenkov is having the, the best season from anyone in the EuroLeague. He's having the, the best statis- statistical season between these two players. But... Who for you is the best power forward of the EuroLeague? <laughs> <laughs> this was very tough. Uh, yeah, sure. I, I really had to. I really had to think about it. Um, I have Vezenkov as number two. Yeah, me too. And so I have, we agree and on I have that. Mirot- yeah, <laughs> and I have Mirotic at number one. Um, obviously, both are amazing players. Both are in the discussion for the best player in EuroLeague. Um, I just think. I think an advantage that Vezenkov has over Mirotic is the the team that he plays in and with the coach that they have. Uh, I think that gives him a level of consistency that Mirotic doesn't have that. uh, Mirotic is still consistent, but it's not a a favorable team to give him that because we've been talking about how, how inconsistent Barcelona has been and some question marks about the Sarunas decision-making. So I think if Mirotic was in a position with a team that has a consistent level of uh, of play style and a consistent coach in terms of the decision-making, I think it would have helped him even more. Uh, Vezenkov is having a better season, in my opinion, but I think the better player is Mirotic. But it's yeah. so close. Like <laughs> those These two guys were my two first picks for the All-Star when we made that draft. So... They, they really are close. It's It could go either way. Literally a conflict. Yeah, for sure. They, they are two high-level players. And when we are doing these ranks, the, the goal is to, to get people to know a bit more about these players and to share our thoughts about these players. It's not, we, we love both of them and we think both of them are amazing basketball players. It's just trying to rank who of them is the, the best one. I think Mirotic... He's still a more complete player and uh, one of the things is like his ability to go to the free throw line to take advantage of his one-on-one matchups. I I just think that uh, Mirotic is still above Vzenkov. Vzenkov is younger and uh, he might evolve to to be a better player down the line but for now I'm I'm in agreement with you and uh, I also give a rank Mirotic as the number one power forward of the EuroLeague. I think some people might be mad at us for that, but uh, <laughs> for now, uh, I have to, to put Mirotic number one. 
yeah, it's just that Zankov uh, is having the best season. So yeah, yeah, I know. Uh, like I obviously understand that, that argument. I uh, just think that as a player, and I think we will see that on the the post season, Mirotic can have a more important role than uh, than Zankov, and um, even in terms of self creation. I think Mirotic is able to do slightly more than Zankov at this point, and uh, I think that's important for a number one player of a team. And that's why I, I still lean Mirotic there on that battle. This was another European Hoops episode. Make sure to tune in Thursday, when we will be recapping round 31 of the EuroLeague being played Tuesday and Wednesday. Subscribe to the podcast and follow us on Twitter at Itos EuroLeague, where we bring you any news that break about the competition, must-watch games, injury reports, and our daily trades in the end of each day of the competition bringing you all the highlights of the action my name is andre and i'll be seeing you guys soon bye guys see you on next episode